Do you have Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. You can be in the valley this morning. Jesus still be yours. You can be sick this morning. Jesus still be yours. No matter where you go or where you be, Jesus is mine. Hallelujah. How many have heard your name written in glory? Well, John said, when I saw my name written there, all of heaven and all of earth heard me shout. Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm healed. I'm His. And He is mine. I don't know. Come on. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. is mine. Amen. I'll tell you what, that's in the face of every devil, every sickness, every problem. Jesus is mine. And the devil can't take that away from us. Amen. We're sons and daughters of the great King of glory. How wonderful he is. Hallelujah. Why? In an atmosphere like this, anything can happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you, Brother Kirkman. Brother James. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. How wonderful he is. God bless you. I'm going to let you have your seats here for a moment. It's just a wonderful atmosphere here this morning. We hope everyone... We'll just enter in with us and worship the Lord together. And that you will just continue creating an atmosphere in this service. That as the word goes forth, it can change lives. It can heal and deliver. Because our God is a mighty God. He's a warrior God, and he's there to fight on your behalf. Amen. The battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. And I want you to keep that in mind, that it belongs to him. I want to take just a moment before we begin the word this morning and open up the scriptures. I want to, I want to just kind of give a, a, just a moment, just a word of tribute to uh, Brother John LaFontaine who just went home to be with the Lord at the age of 76. Many of you will remember Brother John. He hasn't been here in recent years since he's moved up to uh, since he moved up to um, northern Ohio. Where was that? Michigan. Um, where, where they were. Anyway, our memories of Brother John goes back to the early days of attending the Michigan camp meetings there and the great times that we had there, him leading the songs, the song service, and so on like that. Later, he was our first camper at the Louisiana Spring Camp in 1987. 
And um, I think about 1985, they had started a camp in Ohio. There was some of the brothers, and he was instrumental in that. And um, somewhere during that time, just in the early 90s, Brother John invited Brother Harold Hildebrandt and myself to come and um, minister at a convention there for their church in um, when he was pastor near Petrolia um, in Canada, up in Ontario. Then later they, he became um, back into evangelistic work and he ministered to us and blessed us with message and song and as a pastor then, he, he went to Arkansas, right up here, three, 300 miles north of us, to um, um, near Hardy, Arkansas, and, and uh, helped that church there as they, they came and they were able to build a new sanctuary. And I, I was privileged to go and dedicate the sanctuary to the Lord. and, and um, then um, I got an invitation to go and preach a convention in New Zealand. And I chose Brother John as a partner to go with me. And we traveled together to the South Island and to the North Island. And uh, as you know, Brother John, he was just a very, very lovable man, a joy to be with. And we remember his humor and we had a lot of laughs together. And uh, through his time of illness, we tried to keep up with uh, the news of his welfare and prayed for him many times and his family. And today, I I just want to say our hearts are saddened as we contemplate the going home of this great soldier of God. But we know we live for this day. And like many others who went on before us, these all died in faith. And together... We long for the day when this mortal will give way to immortality. And we'd like to send a message to his widow sister, Loretta, his son, brother Paul, LaFontaine, Isaac, and Sharon, and Sherry, and all of the family. Just let them know that our prayers are with them during this very difficult time. We're not going to be able to be with them in the moral service because, Lord willing, we're going to be in... Uh, Japan and the Philippines ministering there but the scripture says behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption And this mortal must put on the immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? And oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you will, just stand with me at this time and we'll just go to prayer. Just ask the Lord to bless the family and the church there, Brother uh, Paul LaFontaine, as they continue their work. And um, as uh, Brother Paul said, I'm going to miss my dad not patting me on the shoulder after I minister and say, son, that was a masterpiece. Amen. But 
you know, heaven is richer. We feel a little bit poorer, but we go on. Amen. We press on toward the mark. So let's just pray and ask the Lord's blessings upon that family today. Lord Jesus, we thank you, O God, for your goodness to us, for your grace that has brought us in these moments of time. You brought us to this day. And Lord, today, as we think of this gallant soldier who was instrumental in so many things, he had a heart for the youth and youth banquets and youth camp and young married couples and all the other parts of life that he was such a, a blessing in. His, many, his ministry that went even into foreign countries at times. Lord, I pray that you will bless now his little wife, Sister Loretta, and strengthen her. I pray, Lord, you'll bless the church of Brother Paul and his siblings. Lord, may they just take comfort in knowing that their dad is there in a new body without sickness and pain and sorrow. We ask it in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Amen. Help me sing this, Andrew. To be miles behind Oh
We're going to turn to Revelation chapter 5 this morning for our scripture reading. Pray the Lord will bless his word as we look into the things of God. Thank you. Appreciate the wonderful songs and the worship to the Lord today. Amen. The rejoicing in truth. Amen. It's something to be that we can shout about. We can rejoice about. Amen. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, and neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now turn with me to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. We'll read from there. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for the word today. Bless it to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Can you have your seats? We're going to be speaking today on claiming our legal rights. And as we do, I just want to share you a little something that was said. um, That I'm looking for a time of a break forth of the Spirit of God in these last days that we're now living in. For another surge of the Holy Spirit into the church for a rapture in faith just before it comes. And everything is setting straight in order for that. And I believe we're at a time that the word should have preeminence. And I believe that the time is the time to lay aside our creeds and our thoughts and come back to the word. 
Amen. And I think that is um, something that we can anticipate, another surge of the Holy Spirit. How many would say, I would like to have a surge of the Holy Spirit in my own life, personally? Amen. Of course, in the service. I just want to share a few things that, uh, a few little quotations from Brother Branham on revival as we go along. He said, if you want to see a revival, start it in yourself. It's got to begin in you. So that's where revival begins. And they, again, he said just one or two members, good members in a church that's really on fire for God will do something for that church more than 40 revivals you could have. This is the power of, of the revival in one or two good members. Amen. A good cleansed, a cleansed member set an example with the face shining with the glory of God. With sweetness and humility to stand there in the power of God. And then, then he refers back again in another instance to the meetings in Vandalia, Illinois. Back in the divine healing movement. Back in the, the early 40s. That, that in one night in the Vandalia, Illinois. That he walked in the meeting. Hadn't been in the meeting five minutes. And there was such an expectation and such an atmosphere of faith that there wasn't a feeble person around the place. A wheelchair was pushed up, out, and piled up, and the blind were seeing, the deaf and dumb speaking, and just simply the Spirit of God was present, and everybody was healed. But he said, now that's when you can do something when revival's going on. But you let the revival fire die down, then you can hardly, the people are still Christians, but they're not revived into that spirit. It's that great atmosphere that does something. This is why, you know, that I've asked you, you know, made the appeal for you to come early and, and pray and call on God that we might create an atmosphere. Somebody needs saving. It has to be an atmosphere of salvation. Somebody needs healing. There has to be an atmosphere for healing. Amen. The the word needs to go forth. There needs to be an atmosphere created. And he he said, it's just like a forge in the blacksmith shop. You got to get the iron hot before you can go to pounding it on the anvil. If you don't, you'll never straighten it out. And so that means that we got to fan the flames. Amen. That's part of your job this morning. You know, whether it's when we're singing and worshiping or praying or whether we're, the message is preaching. Oh yeah. I know we're in Laodicea. I know this is an age where that is rich and increased with goods and have needed nothing and, and lukewarmness. But I'm telling you, we don't have to be a Laodicean. Amen. This bride will not be a Laodicean. She'll be on fire for God. So therefore, there must be overcomers in this age. So there's got to be somebody fanning the flames. Amen. And, and of course, that's what it takes to have a revival is everyone under the heat of the Holy Spirit that brought down the powers of God and revival moving. That's when prayer meetings are going day and night and every minute, everywhere. While people wouldn't even leave the grounds. And, you know, again, when we're talking about this, I think we need to make this very, very personal. You know, we we say, well, I want the church to have revival. Well, it starts with you. I I I want the bride of Christ around the world to be in revival. Well, it starts with you. And it starts with us. 
And so, you know, I, I, I can see it. I mean, you may say I can see it poured out upon individuals in the upper room, for example. But as God is pouring out his spirit and emptying it out in this last days, as he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit, saith God. Amen. And we ought to everyone have a prayer this morning. God poured out on me. Amen. As you pour it out on the church, as you pour it out on others, pour it out on me. And, and I can hear again another quotation saying, God created me a revival. Let me be the revival. Let each one of us be the revival. The revival in me. Make me, Lord, to hunger. Make me to thirst. Create in me, Lord, that what is needed in me. Let me from this hour on be thine, a more consecrated servant, a better servant, more blessed of you, more able, more humbler, more kinder, more willing to work, more looking at things that are positive and forgetting the things that are in the past and the negatives. And let me press toward the mark of the, of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. Again, again he says, uh, he, he again talks about revival in Easter seal. He said, men and women, it'll make you stand to your feet. It'll make you do things that God wants you to do. I don't care what somebody else says about it. The neighbor says... Oh, that person's lost their mind. They pray all night. They read their Bible. I don't care what they say. It's what God called you to do. Oh, they say, well, you can't have those old-fashioned Pentecostal revivals. He said, oh, yes, you can. You can have it in yourself. And you're the majority in God no matter what the rest of them think. So you can have it in yourself. Whether the world's going to pop, whether politics are doing this, whether sin is happening everywhere, you can have a revival. Right in the middle of Satan's Eden. Amen. Now, again, he says what God, to my opinion, will do and must do. And will do in this last day. Is to find a tool for the harvest. And when he's got he's to find a tool to thrash the floor. Any farmer, when he goes to his harvest... He has to have a tool to do it and certainly has to have a sharp sickle or some instrument to thrash out the grain and the harvest is ripe. And his prayer was, God, take us in your hand and make us bond servants of your love and use us for a tool to bring realization to this sinful, cursed world that we're living in today that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for myself, Lord God, let me be a prisoner. If all my brethren turn me down, if my friends turn me down, I want to be a prisoner to Jesus Christ and his word that I might be harnessed to his word by the Holy Spirit. To see the Holy Spirit make the word of God be confirmed by the same things he said would be done. I want to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And of course, as we... Look at this. What he's referring to was that Paul, after all the scriptures and the training of the scriptures under the the great theologian Gamaliel, and then with his great ambitions to do something for God, and his zeal then that was used to even persecute the work of God, he was so zealous. And, And yet there on the road to Damascus, The pillar of fire, a light struck him down, who was Jesus. 
and said, you know, you're, you're working, you're kicking against the pricks. You're working against me. And he, and he says, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. And so, again, at that moment, God took him a prisoner. And Paul would call himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he would be stripped of his own ideas on the backside of the desert. And become harnessed to the word of God. It would be Paul who would actually give us the, the, the truths of the New Testament. And he would lay down the, the, the difference between law and grace. And I'll just tell you as I contemplate where we are. And I think about myself begin ministering when I was only 15 years old full time and I'm coming up on February the 1st which will be 50 years of ministry and and uh, you know I so as I as I kind of reflect just a moment I'm not melancholy and I'm not I'm not sad I'm not I, I, that's not the kind of reflection I'm reflecting upon some of these things to say here's where we are and here's where we need to go Sometimes you can't go any further till you know where you're at. Amen. So we, we, I want to talk to you about a few things this morning as we go forward. And there will be a lot of, a lot of different parts to this sermon. And probably uh, in, the, in, the, well, in the months to come, uh, perhaps more expanding on some of this very thing. So, same thing. But I think, you know, of course we... We all have an ambition to serve God and a desire to serve Him. But you know, sometimes we we actually have to be stripped of our ambitions. And then, you know, our ideas and our thoughts that are different from what God's plan and God's way is. And I think what God has been waiting on for these 50 years is for people to be stripped and and become harnessed to the word. I think we can look at examples in the scriptures such as we'll use Joseph and we'll use um, uh, Moses and we'll use Paul here. And, and I think of Joseph in the Bible that he spent untold years of being stripped of his own ambitions and his own desires and his own ideas of how the vision would come to pass and that he'd had as a little boy where they would all bow down to him and he had to be totally stripped down and then and then uh, taken a prisoner and then then finally there you know in that moment in that time God brings him out after untold years now of training and and so uh, you know we think of Joseph we think of Moses. Moses spent 40 years out on the desert. Paul would spend three. And like David, we won't use him a lot this morning, but David, you know, uh, he, uh, he had been anointed and he had been set apart. The youngest of all his family and now overlooked. And, and uh, when they had, all his brethren was called for the anointing of a king and Finally, the anointing falls upon him. But just because a prophet pours anointing oil on you doesn't mean you're ushered immediately into power. And this is something that we forget. 
that we, we think, oh, well, we should have been, we, we've been anointed by a message and anointed by a prophetic ministry and we, we've been set apart and we have high ambitions and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to excel and we got our plans and, and we got our ideas. We even get our own little creeds or thoughts or a uh, little different uh, thoughts or maybe we, it ain't aligned right yet with the word. We have to be stripped of it all and become harnessed to Christ. Harnessed to the word. Amen. We're, we're not pulling our own ideas and pulling our own ambitions around and driven by that, but we are we are now harnessed to the word, and it's that word there that we're pulling into position. And so David would would be that kind of man that oh he would be anointed, but then and he would be accelerating positions, and then he would be pushed down and outcast and cast away. And, and between the fires then where the Philistines are on one side and David is uh, in the middle and caught in the middle and Saul is over here seeking his life over there. And, and David now knowing the anointing has been put up on him. But when's it going to manifest? Lord, I know the prophet told me. I know there are promises that are laying in the word that must be realized and we must tap into but you know, this is the thing of it is, and you know it, as we come along, you know, we've got to be stripped first. And it's taken a long time to kind of strip out our own ideas. You know, this mother Methodist brother wants to hold on to his Methodist teaching, and the Baptist wants to hold on to their Baptist teaching, and Pentecostal, their, their, their Pentecostal teaching. But you've got to be stripped of everything and be born anew. Amen. And let this message there come there and become the preeminent thing. The word become the preeminent thing in your life. Where you're not on, no longer driven by your own ambitions and your own desires and your own ideas and rebuilding kingdoms with your own ideas. But becoming a, a surrendered to the word of God. And I believe that God has stripped away a lot of our own ambitions and our thoughts and our ideas. Moses had a lot of thoughts of how he was going to deliver the people. He was told by his parents, you're a special child. You were born under sign. You're an answer to prophecy. You know, and Moses tried under his own power to make it happen. I think there's been a lot of that. You know, but God to take him to a wilderness and strip him and make him a prisoner to him and his word. It was Dwight Moody that said, Moses, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody. And you can imagine he did. He was a prince in Egypt. And he spent then 40 years of learning he was a nobody. And then the next 40 years he discovered what God can do with a nobody. Amen. I, I think that's where we're at. We're starting to discover now with what God can do with a nobody. Amen. I think we, we no longer believe we're the somebody. 
And, and, and though we, we have discovered and learned by now that we're just a nobody. But now we want to find out what God can do with a nobody. Amen. Because with a nobody, God can produce miracles. God can heal. God can deliver. When the church is humble, when the church is seeking God, when the church realizes I can't do this on my own, my ambitions will never push me there. My ideas, my own ways. Moses, God took him out of the desert and kept him there for 40 years and stripped him of all his theology and all his ambition. And oh my, what a time he had when he could look back and see his failures. And that's all he could see is I tried this and it didn't work. And it reminds me, and, and even Brother Branham made reference to this about the healing, divine healing campaigns. And, and he said, look at the healing campaigns and see what the Lord did a few years ago to start restoring to the sick and so on. And every organization, because it didn't come to their organization, that they had to get them a healer too. And what did it do? You know, they tried to manufacture. You know, everybody was with an ambition. You know, the, the, the Baptists would have a, a slogan back in those times, a million more and 44. And we're going to be the biggest and we're going to be the greatest. And, and the, the others, well, we'll outrank them and, and, and so on and on. And they become a competition between them all. You know, and then among the divine healing movement, you know, we, we went out and tried so hard to manufacture some kind of miracle. I smelt a disease or I got blood in my hand and, you know, manufacture a miracle. And what they get? They got men in such strains that it broke up and some actually became alcoholics and neurotic and got their minds switched all the way back. From the real true Pentecostal objective. Back to making organizations again. And which is a, which again is kingdom building. That's what we're talking about. And what did it do? It slew an Egyptian. That's all that Moses had to point to. When he pointed back to what he had done. As a somebody. Amen. You know, he had one man. He didn't deliver Israel from, from Egypt. He killed one, one Egyptian. That's all he had to point to was one stinking dead Egyptian. And in many ways, that's what we can point back to is, is you know, again, well, what did we accomplish or what has been accomplished in a lot of this? Just church members. Amen. Maybe, maybe somebody lived true to their wife or quit stealing or something and all that's good. Amen. To have one Egyptian dead is, is, is one Egyptian dead. But it don't deliver the people. Amen. It doesn't, it doesn't deliver Israel. It doesn't bring them to their promised land. It doesn't produce a rapture. Amen. We want more than church members. Come on. We want to see a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. Ready to meet the Lord as he promised he would. 
Oh, I still believe he's coming back like he said. Amen. I believe his promise. And there's got to be a people that is ready for that. But again, you know, when the great blessing comes out on how we must be born again, how to receive the Holy Ghost, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, all these things, instead of people staying harnessed to the word, they just started their own denominational theory. And so what we have is, again, in too many cases, a bunch of rotten church members. Who are so full of their organization who deny the very scriptures that are so plain in the Bible. Amen. That they would refuse such a thing. They don't want the word to have preeminence in their church. But we do. I just say it again. We do. Amen. They may not permit this kind of preaching. But we do. We'll, we'll preach what the original sin was. We'll preach the security of the believer. We'll preach baptism in his name because there was nobody ever baptized any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. Amen. We'll, we'll preach, we'll preach word after word because we have been harnessed to this word and we're not denying any of it. We're not wanting loose from it. Our ambitions are gone. To do our own thing. But let me tell you. We have become a prisoner. To Jesus Christ. And if we just keep in our mind. That according to the word of God in this last day. God's going to have a church. And we're going to be that church. He's going to have a people and a bride without spot or wrinkle. We're going to be that church. Amen. There's going to be a people that are in revival at the coming of the Lord. We're going to be that church. Amen. We're living in that time. And Christ makes us prisoners of love, his sons, and he gives them power. He brings them into power. John 14, 12 The miracles that I do shall you do also. And greater than these shall you do. They become empowered by the king. And and again, verily I say unto you, if you say to this mountain, be moved. And don't doubt in your heart. You will have what you said. Amen. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Oh, hallelujah. I believe God's got somebody that the word will live in. And they will abide in that word and the word will abide in them. Amen. The Holy Ghost don't come and it don't go. It stays and it abides. We don't backslide out in the world next week. We're right there constant, steady, believing God's word. Harness to him and yoke to him. Abiding in him and he in us. Now, just briefly, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I'm just kind of just speaking about some of these characters for a moment. But there's Joseph who is also a prisoner. You know, he 
raised up a young boy. He comes in and and he has a dream. He dreams of of the the the, the sheaves bowing to him, of his brothers. And then he dreams of the sun and the moon, the stars, and and his brothers. The, the, the other stars uh, there representing his whole family bowing to him. You know, a lot of times we hear these things. And we hear we're predestinated. We're called. We're chosen. And sometimes it makes a bunch of stuffed shirts out of people. We're the bride. We're the elect. We're the called. We're the chosen. We're the people. And a lot of times, as I said, it, it makes a haughty attitude, a haughty spirit. But God doesn't want that in our lives. This wasn't, this wasn't given to you to make you, you know, swell in your head. So this is why that God sometimes has to take it, kind of grind you down a little bit and make you realize, though I said you're a prince, Though I give you a vision, though I give you a word, though I gave you a message, amen, you need to be stripped down a little bit for your given power. But I tell you, I believe that we're at a time where the stripping is over. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? Amen. I believe it is a time where Joseph shaves his face. And there, I wasn't talking about you, Joseph. Amen. God bless you. Welcome back. Amen. But I pointed at you, though. <laughs> but Joseph changed his face and he comes out of prison. Are you with me? And he's elevated to power. Are you with me? Amen. You know, some things have been shaved off of him. And there he was now prepared after all of these years for the vision to be manifested. And I'll just tell you, I believe we're in the hour of the manifestation of the vision. Hallelujah. Amen. God sometimes will take a man like Joseph and shave off their wheels and show them they can't just do anything they want to do. They gotta rely on God. They gotta humble to the word before they can come into full power. But God would take him out of that prison and exalt him to the throne. So there come a time where all of these men, Joseph, Moses, and Paul, they all had to stand upon their calling. They had to come and stand, take a stand. What's these words that I'm using? Because we're, we're talking about a lamb that stood up. Michael that stands up. We're talking about Joseph standing up. We're talking about Paul standing up. We're talking about, again, Moses. He stands up. Empowered. And commissioned under a pillar of fire. And he takes a stand there to... Claim their legal rights. Now, in all cases, all of these men thought they were somebody. And they learned they were nobody. Joseph, the favored son with his dreams and then a slave in Egypt. Moses, a prince, reduced to a common shepherd in Midian. 
Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, knocked off his high horse and finds himself in the desert, having to be retaught and retrained. Amen. But when Joseph stood up out of the prison, he came to be right next to Pharaoh. When Moses stood up out of Midian, he came with a word in his lips and brought a mighty Egypt down to his knees. When Paul stood up and out of the desert, he came with signs and wonders and miracles and God's word opened to him of what the new covenant was about. Now, I'm just going to make a little change here. Since I built that platform. And I want to talk about our message. I want to talk about our message. Brother Timothy, I want to talk about your message. Church, I want to talk to you about your message. Joseph comes, and when he comes into power, he comes with a message. Paul, when he comes into power, he comes out with a message. Moses, when he comes into power and he takes a stand, he comes out with a message. And don't get scared. I'm not talking about a different message. I'm talking about a message of restoration. Where that we become focused on what our real calling is. Because we've had a lot of ideas in the past. Of what it would be. And how it would be. And how it's all materialized. And how it will all come to pass. You know... I could go through, I could go through literally uh, another hour on Joseph talking about his dream and how he, how did, it seemed like it, it would be manifest in this and oh, 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 this is how it would be. Now, now I see it. I'll become a great man in Potiphar's house and my brethren will come and somehow they'll see me as a great man in this house. Then again, but that wasn't the fulfillment. Then there would be, oh, I, I think it's this. I, I've been thrown into prison now, and, and surely in the prison, maybe some of my brothers will be thrown in here, and I'm the head of the prison now. And that wasn't it. You see, people's done a lot of guessing through the years. Had a lot of ideas through the years. A lot of false leads through the years. And yet all of those were leading up to a greater crescendo. Now let me just stop here for a moment. You know we have Brother Ron Spencer. He's comes from a little town in Grottos, Virginia. And in this He's pastors a little church uh, up, um, what's the name of that town, Timothy? Elkton. 
has a little church there in Alton, Missouri, uh, um, Virginia. And, and of course, you know, we, he's preached our youth camps through the years, our camp meetings through the years, and we know him from that. You know him from that. Being here with us in many, many things. We've seen the supernatural that has worked and the Holy Spirit moving in different aspects. But on the December the 30th, 2016, Brother Ron Spencer had a dream. And this dream, I was with him, with Brother Biscoe. And we had just finished a meeting and we're rejoicing over the accomplishments and the victories there. And in this dream, people were taking photos of us. And this would be fulfilled in Switzerland. When I went there, I didn't go to youth camp, and I went to the Switzerland meetings. And we would preach there. It was a very sovereign, God-ordained meeting. Brother Bisco wasn't even supposed to be there because of illness and so on. And God made a way that he was there, and he spoke in that meeting as well. And, and so, you know, but, but the dream was showing him there, and... This would be fulfilled. But then the dream changed to a memorial servant service. And in this, Brother Timothy would speak on, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. And then I came to the pulpit and I spoke on a subject of, Oh, thou suffer, stand and be healed. And as I spoke this in the dream, it, I actually addressed Brother Ron specifically and acknowledge that acknowledge him that you know that he was present and I called his name and said I want to greet brother Ron here and 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 announce my text to him of what I was speaking and then of course um there the dream would end and and brother Ron would come to in his bedroom and the presence of God would just come right in and fill his bedroom. And he spoke in tongues for over half an hour. And then he, he texted me the dream. And I went back into my, my files and looked at, looked at it the time and the time of day. It would just be an hour or so later that his son-in-law, Whitney's husband, Davy, um, who, who had been promised a child would, would be crushed with his, with, with his truck, crushed up against a tree after hitting black ice. He would be crushed in, in different aspects of his body and especially a broken pelvic. And the doctors told him he would never have children. And then, of course, his wife was, had already been told by doctors she would never have children. She, she was, um, had a female condition where her womb was tilted and the doctor said it was medically impossible for her to ever have a child. So now the word of the Lord had already spoken that she was going to have a child. Now then impossible, impossible situations arise. And David was a sufferer. He was a sufferer. But he took that word of promise that was, was given and he stood upon that promise and he was healed. And then some, some months, if I could say it, um, you know, about a year later, a little over a year later, here she comes up with pregnant, you know, expecting a child. It was impossible. 
for this, this girl that when she married this boy, she told him, I want you to know, doctor said, I'll never have children. He said, well, I'm not marrying you because of children. I'm marrying you because I love you. And yet, yet God, you know, so graciously spoke life to that womb. Are you with me? Amen. Someone who was suffering stood and was healed. They stood upon that promise just, you know, just hours after that. Now, hours after this wreck, Brother Ron's mother just, you know, would have a heart attack, be taken to the hospital, and, just, and, and her suffering and her health issues, you know, would, would, would cause her to, um, uh, to, to have a massive heart attack. And she's laying there, and Brother Ron went to her, and she spoke these words as the doctor said, you know, can, can I help you? Can I do anything? She said, no, I'm ready to go. And when she said that, she stepped out of this life into a new body. Now, healing ain't always in one dimension, but it's all healing. God heals all diseases. Like I told the LaFontaine family, these all died in faith. Now, so again, again, you know, there she moved from there into a new and youthful body. And, you know, I, I, I called Brother Ron on the way to see his mom. And I said, you know, your son-in-law, your son-in-law is going to stand and he's going to be healed. But your mother is going to be healed by taking into another dimension. In just a few minutes, she would go beyond the curtain of time. And sometimes later, I, I, it was in April the 26th that I, I felt inspired to take that, that little sermon title, Oh, Thou Suffer, Stand, Be Healed. And I preached it on April the 26th, 2017 at our home church on a Wednesday night. I take that sermon, I preach it six times. And, you know, one, one would be to, in con- many of them would be in conventions at, at the Brother Joe Green's and his um, um, meeting there in Spindale, North Carolina. Brother Kelly Hildebrand up in Canada, over in the Holland Convention uh, across the seas. Brother Ivan Carr over in his place. And then, and then finally, the last time I ministered was just in a regular Wednesday night service again for Brother Nathan Bryant. I preached that six times. Oh, thou suffer. Stand and be healed. When I, and this was really amazing. When I preached it at Brother Kelly's, in his convention, the night before I leave for the meeting, Timothy preaches, I am the resurrection and the light. Then I go and my next sermon is, Oh, thou suffer, stand and be healed. You can't make this stuff up. And Timothy would preach that on the 13th of September before I left. And I preached it on Saturday night again at Brother Kelly's. On, Oh, thou suffer, stand and be healed in his conviction. <coughs> Excuse me. It's been a great sermon for me. However, I come to realize it's not just a sermon. 
And that's what I want to just bring to you this morning. It's a message. And again, I don't mean a new message. Amen. But it's a message of restoration that's been brought by Malachi 4. And it speaks of healing, restoration. Hallelujah. And it's time we preach it like we never preached it before. Amen. And, and I just, I just want to say, you know, Brother Ron, if you're listening to me this morning, or whenever you do listen to it, in particular, it, it took note of you. And it said, oh, thou sufferest, Brother Ron. It identified him. It said, oh, thou suffer, stand and be healed. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what we're talking about. He's had growth found in his lungs and they don't know where it's come from. They're doing the biopsy tomorrow. But I don't care what that report is. I don't care the name of that devil. The name of Jesus is higher than every name. We are witnesses that we've seen every kind of disease and sickness fall through the name of Jesus and have to say, He's Lord. So I say, Brother Ron, it took note of you. Amen. You're in the vision. Hallelujah. But I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you again, here's the reason it's a message. The bride of Christ through the ages, we have been sufferers. They have suffered through the ages. We've suffered in our times. We've suffered through pains of false doctrines. And we have suffered through pains of kingdom buildings. And we were men with selfish gain. They sought to devour and conquer. But I'll tell you, oh, thou suffer. Little bride around the world, wherever you are, whether you're down in India, you know, I'm talking to you, Sister Shalom, listening in. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to feel cast down. You don't have to feel left out. Hallelujah. Oh, thou suffer. Take your stand on the word and be healed. Hallelujah. I say, I say we've got a message. we got a message. It is now time to take a stand. We have suffered long enough. We went through ages of suffering. There's been problem after problem down through the ages. Right now to this time. Right now to this moment. But it's a time that it stops. Amen. There comes a time where you come out of the prison. You come out of the suffering. Amen. You went through the test. And you went through the fire. Did you hear me? You went through the fire. But I tell you, it is now time to stand. And you stand on that promise. Hallelujah. And not just stand, but be healed. Be delivered. Hallelujah. It's time for this bride to take her stand. Have we learned? 
Are we ready now to be commissioned as we see the Spirit move? Amen. We're, we're, we're right here at the very beginnings of the move of God. And I'll just tell you and announce it. The winds of change are in the air. You know, you know how it is. You know, when you move from spring or, or from, uh, from winter to spring, you know, and it becomes restoration hour, restoration time, we're in restoration hour. I will restore, saith the Lord. This is his promise to an end time people. Are you with me? A promise of restoration. Amen. And for that to happen, it takes the winds of change. Hallelujah. And oh yeah, there's storms during that time. There's a lot of lightning and a lot of fuss and a lot of thunder. But in the midst of it, it don't stop the season from changing. Hallelujah. It continues right on getting warmer as the sun throws out its rays of light giving health. Amen. And buds begin to pop forth. I'm reminded. I'm reminded Sitting there in my backyard is a big pear tree I planted a few years ago. And I don't care. You may say, well, spring will never get here. It will never come. But I already see signs of change. I see blossoms coming on my tree. I walked out and I see little John Quist throwing up his little, his little branches. Starts the little sprouts coming out. What's it announcing? It's the early signs. It's the early signs. Amen. So, you know, but, uh, but I ask you, have we got rid of our own ideas? Are we ready to be the revival? I'm asking this church, are you ready to be the revival? Not talk about revival, not promise revival. But I'm talking about you. Are you ready to be the revival? To come out of that dormant stage into the full bloom of the promise. Well, the church today is still, in general, is still operating on sense knowledge instead of faith. They're going on how they feel. Sense knowledge is see, taste, smell, feeling here. So if you hear me use that term, that's what I'm talking about. And they're, they're still going by sense knowledge. But now we should be a people who look to the unseen instead of what we see around us. I was listening to the sermon, The Greatest Battle Ever Fought. I heard Brother Branham tell a dream of his former trainer. He, he was a, a boxer who was, trained him for... Um, I think it was 16 professional or 15 professional bouts. Anyway, Six Seconds Smith was his trainer. And he, had, he also had a dream where he was watching Smith fight fellows that are much younger than himself. This is very important. Hang on. And yet, yet um, Smith was smashing them down and throwing them out of the ring. He kept talking about this old man. He said, I think he's 58 years old. A lot of old men in here. But that's all right. Old men dream dreams and young men see visions. 
And I've even been praying, God, give me the visions I missed as a young man. So you see, you see again, he, he was watching these, these, these young men, these young fellows fight that was much younger. And Smith was just thrashing them and throwing them out of the ring. And the young guys could not stand up against the trainer. And then he remarked to his wife, who was standing there by him, representing his church, and he said, he said, Smith was my first trainer. And then he, then he, then he would later talk about it, and he says, you know, that was my first training, the first prayer lines. And he was just saying it right there, just saying that as he was talking about, you know, the, the young guys with their new training, won't stand up to the old training. Amen. The the new ideas of easy believism. The new ideas of no prayer lines. The new ideas that you don't need an experience to have the Holy Ghost. They won't defeat the enemy. And they won't win. But I tell you, the old training will win. Hallelujah. I say we should not ask for new paths. We should ask for the old paths. We should ask for what works. What will throw the devil out of the ring? What will defeat the enemy? What will defeat alcohol and tobacco and pornography? Easy believism won't do it. Just a little simple confession of faith won't do it. But a dying out to sin. A dying out to unbelief. An old-fashioned altar call where sin becomes dead as midnight. And you're born again anew. That's what a win. Brethren, around the message, I watch your new ideas, and they don't win. They don't win. You can't baptize a man. You can't pet a man. You can't say, just have this profession of faith. I believe the message in. It won't work. It takes a new birth. And that's not a new birth. When you listen to that sermon again, greatest battle ever fought, you'll hear a common thread the whole thing. And that is our training, training, training. He mentions this over 20 times and his whole message is laced in and out. Our training. That we, we should have been trained for this hour. He was told in that same vision uh, you know, which becomes interpreted as a vision. And he's, he says it changed from there. And I won't go into all of it. But he was told there to stay home and store up food. And, and so, you know, we got I just want to say we need to go back to that training. We need to use those same kind of fighting methods. We need to see faith demonstrated. Oh, we, we have elevated doctrine to such a place. Are you with me? But a doctrine without miracles is not true doctrine. 
Jesus' doctrine was laced with miracles. And if we have, if we have true doctrines, you got to have the signs follow them that believe. God going with them, confirming the word with signs following. The battle is now. So who will stand? That was his whole premise for preaching that sermon. He saw the stars in the heaven and they all stay in their course and they all stay in their place and have been there for millions of years. But you let a little problem come and you get out of your course. Amen. You let a little storm come along and blow you this way and that way. And the soldiers in the heavens are supposed to be, come on, I just read you that we'd shine as the stars in the heaven. They are reflectors of what we're to be on the earth. Are you with me now? And if they stay their course in the time of trial, we got to stay our course. Steady right there, believe in God's word. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Standing on the truth. You see, God's army is moving forward. Men of valor, men of faith, men of power, men of understanding. You know, they don't have to be educated. They need to be channels. But to be a channel, you got to have yours cleaned out. Then we go back around our, our training. you got to clean out your old ideas and your old ways and, and come to a place that God can flow through you unhindered. We should learn by now that doctrine without... Without power, you know, it won't work. And that mechanics without dynamics will not work. And confessions of faith without experience won't produce true Christians. And we should have learned by now that easy believism won't work. And neither will just emotion. Amen. The emotion is fine, but we want results with it. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. I'll talk about it, friends. When there's emotion, you want works to go with it. Amen. You want to see the miraculous go with it. I remember the emotion of it when Sister Lydia stood and she grabbed her suffering baby, Jude, with a non-functioning kidneys that the doctors were thinking of removing. And she stood... And brought that child down to the altar. Are you with me? Yeah, I remember the emotion of it. But I see the power of it. Amen. We've got a perfectly healed boy that didn't need a surgery. They were going to remove it. It was no good. It had to be moved out of his body. But God's healing power. Because somebody stood. Amen. The sufferer said, I have suffered enough. I have put up with this enough. I have tolerated this enough. But today, I'm going to take a stand and be healed. I remember the emotion of it when a sufferer, Aaron Oglesby, that big tall man ran down to the altar and surrendered his life to God and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I remember the emotion of it, Brother Aaron. I remember the day. I remember the hour. I remember the prayer. I remember there. I remember the power of God. I remember he's never been the same man since. 
He was a sufferer, but he stood that day. And he said, enough is enough. It's time for healing. It's time for deliverance. If you think I'm getting redundant, I'm reminding you of some things. I'm reminding you this is our message. It is a message of restoration. That the sufferer don't have to suffer all the time. That there comes a point you stand and be healed. I remember the emotion of it. When that sister, little sister Karen, my wife, stood on the promise there with a brain bleed this big. Doctor said it don't look hopeful. Sent her to specialists. And there, the Holy Spirit moving. And I said, she'll be in the ICU room tonight. Tomorrow she'll be in her own room. Tonight, the next day she'll be at home. But you know, sometimes you don't understand that the miracles happen in the midst of healing, that healing is a process. Amen. Amen. At that same time, little Drew there, a baby, you know this, but I'm telling it again. Amen. A little uh, Drew born with a deformed hip. The doctors there were very concerned about it in the children's hospital. Give him that account. He's now, he's now 18 months old, never stood, never, never could take a step. You know, he, he, was, he was a little crippled boy. And there, there, my daughter walks in the room, sets her baby at the, at the floor, at the, at the foot of the bed. And at that very moment... That very moment, the sufferer, the sufferer with blind eyes, who couldn't, couldn't see clearly, whose eyes had been blinded by brain bleed, who was in the midst of severe depression, wondering what my life will be. And at that moment, she stood on the promise and began to praise God. Are you with me now? Amen. And when she did, she, she, she began to rejoice standing on that promise. And her eyesight came back. And as the angel of God moved through over the little bed there, it come down over little baby Drew. And a baby who couldn't stand. A baby who couldn't walk. A baby who couldn't crawl. A baby who couldn't stand up on his own stood. Suffering was over. Amen. Oh, thou suffer. Stand. And be healed. Let me tell you a little more of it. Some things you don't even know, maybe. Some things I've never told. Some things I need to tell. Because I'm getting questions about it. Let me talk about it for a minute. I remember the emotion of that following Wednesday night. After that happened for Sister Karen, I, I, you know, she's still dealing. Like I said, healing is many times a process. 
And the miracle had happened. Her eyesight was come back. Her spirits was lifted. Things were changing. The winds of change were happening. And I announced, I just felt moved to God. We're going to have a prayer line on Wednesday night. And I started, uh, Brother Wayne Lawson was here at that time. And, and, and he preached that night. And he, we prayed together. And Sister Karen was still in the process of being healing, healed. Although there had been miracles already happened. She was in my office laying in a, in a little recliner or chair, stuffed chair. And, and, and when I saw the Spirit of God moving, I went really quickly and got that sufferer who was still having high blood pressure issues and bad, just terrible headaches. And that weak and tottery sufferer. Her was led there and we, we prayed with her in the prayer line. And her hands went up. Amen. And she was healed and stood until midnight then. With her hands lifted up. Hallelujah. The suffering was over. No more bed for her. Amen. No more no more laying around. No more no more blood pressure. No more headaches. Amen. Why? There was a message. That the suffers are going to be restored. Hallelujah. Amen. She was to midnight praising God. Now, some people have asked me. I got a letter. And and honestly, the guy wasn't too critical. He just sent me a website where Satanists wear rings on their middle finger. So that wasn't too critical. And wondered why I wore a ring. Well, it's not because I'm effeminate. Not because I'm a devil worshiper. It's not because I'm trying to show wealth. So why do you wear that ring, Brother Tim? Well, I'll tell you. When Karen and I got married in 1975, the only ring I could afford for her was a $98 ring. Her, her dad asked me, where'd you get that from, a gun machine? It was the best we could do. I thought it was a nice ring. She was 17, I was 21. She bought me, her parents actually bought mine, this one on this hand, for $48. Just a little simple gold band. By the time of our 25th anniversary, you know, and somewhere around that time, my, my ring had been so worn until it broke. And she wanted to buy me another one. And, and, and so we went and bought one. You know, it was more expensive than the other one, but, you know, times had changed. It wasn't even close to $1,000. It was still a, a, a very, what they call a, a cheap ring. And, and you know, I, it wasn't comfortable. I put it on my finger and it rolled around and dig into my finger and it wasn't comfortable and I didn't, I, I didn't like it. It irritated my finger. So I went to the, I went to the, to um, a jeweler with my old ring and I said, here, can you fix this? And they welded it back together and I put that ring back on. I said, oh, 
my original ring that feels so good and I took this and put it in a box. And it sat there for years. My wife had a brain bleed, blinded her eyes, took away her peripheral vision. You people don't know how close that I come to losing my sweetheart. Other people have had that same thing, become a vegetable and died from it. And so, she had the brain bleed and it blinded her eyes. God healed and restored her eyes, as I just told you in the testimony. And after the brain bleed that was due to the, the high blood pressure brought on by a tremendous and emotional uh, battle due to menopause, she still had emotional battles with menopause for months afterwards. It would be in Germany that I would feel led to go to, to Germany and, and, and speak in a meeting. And it was in the Germany meetings that Brother Ron also flew in for part of that meeting. And as he was speaking, he walked down the aisle and he said, and you, you, you just don't understand all of the dynamics that was going on. You don't understand the turmoil of things that was going on. You don't think, don't think of the hours that I was there with ministers with different opinions and different things and sorting things out and taking them to task on some of their stuff. You know, a lot of times you don't, you don't see me in that mode. But I know how to use the sword. Sometimes I cut and sometimes I spank with it. But after all, after you've been along around the block a few times, you don't maybe don't think of yourself as an elder, but everybody else does. Because most of them are younger than me. So as I was dealing with some of this, my wife was nervous and she was afraid and all of that. And she went to her room and she's crying all night until I was two in the morning coming in. And don't you even question that. Yes, I was victorious. What do you think? And I walk in the room and she's a basket case and I have to pray with her for some time until we finally get to sleep in the wee hours of the morning. And that next day, Brother Ron wasn't even there at that time. And the next day he comes in and he walks down the aisle and he pulls her out of the aisle and he says, Sister Karen, God healed you of that brain bleed and he delivered you of that blindness. But said this God that we served that he started the work. He's going to finish it. Amen. He pulled her out and he prayed for her. She stood. I'm trying to get something to you. She stood. It was an emotional moment. And she stood. And from that moment she never had to have another hormone pill. From that moment she was a well woman. In her right mind, able to cope and deal with situations. She was a sufferer and she stood on the promise. Amen. And she claimed her redemptive rights. Are you with me now? I remember the emotion of the night, same night of that prayer line. 
When Justin came running to the church, come running down the aisles in his pajamas, a wayward boy living out in sin. You know, and it wasn't just noise and shouting. It was God changing a life. But that night of supper, who had suffered in sin and a family that was suffering. The whole family reunited and healed and delivered. I'm trying to get something to you, church. Amen. It may come with emotion. But there's more than just an emotion. You across the world, you see the emotion, but a lot of times you don't see what God's doing. But I want you to understand there's more than emotion going on. There's the power of God bringing people to stand on a promise and be healed. I remember that emotion of the prayer line. Too, when little Jed, who had so many warts on his body, and about a five or six year old boy, so many warts on his body, the doctors had burned nearly a hundred off of them and couldn't burn them all. And they said, you'll have to come back for a follow-up burn. Can you imagine the suffering of that child? So many warts over his body. But after that prayer line... Oh yeah, it was an emotional moment, but after meeting God, after standing on a promise, after rising, hallelujah, and taking his position, where a mama said, we ain't suffering anymore, we're not putting up with this anymore, our suffering today is over. Hallelujah. And God healed that boy without another sign, every bit of them disappeared, every wart left his body. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. I remember clearly the the emotion of that morning when I was preaching on the revealing of sons. Some of you looking in on our services, look over and see a little sister run around the aisle this morning. Because of what God's done in her life. You don't know maybe what God's done. And you just say that's emotion. That was more than emotion. But it's okay to be emotional. Don't you get happy when God gives you something? When God took this little woman that was dying with cancer. A man that had it in her lungs. Are you with me? Somebody with me. Amen. And here she ran around the building. You got a glimpse of her this morning with long hair. She was bald headed. When she come out of that mezzanine and run around this building just like that. Hallelujah. Amen. What was it? Oh, you suffer. Stand and be healed. She heard the word that God was revealing, son. That we were living in Bible days with Bible doctrine, with Bible truth, a Bible restoration. She took that personally for herself. Just like you did the other day when that spirit of fear left you. You you don't have to fear anymore. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You could run around too if you were delivered from a spirit of fear. I'm getting the feeling good right now. Hallelujah. 
Amen. When you, when you know to stop for a minute, let me tell you. Amen. Restoration has already begun. The signs of spring is here. It's more than doctrine. Hallelujah. Don't get upset because I slobbered on the pulpit. I'm eating clover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It wasn't on the pulpit anyway. It's on the floor. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. But when that suffer, who had suffered now for well over a year, doctors didn't know, and then doctors find a name to it. But did it matter that the doctors found a name? Hello. Did it matter that it was a fearsome giant? Did it matter its name was Goliath? Did it matter it had a mighty roar and it killed many others? Amen. We had a word. Oh, thou suffer. Amen. It's our restoration. It's the hour there of claiming our legal rights. And the devil didn't have a right to hold that daughter of God in bondage. And that day she stood and she was healed and she rejoiced in it. And today we're still rejoicing in it. That's why she can dance and shout and say, Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. Because he's been a personal healer, a personal savior, a personal deliverer. Oh, yeah. I remember the emotion of the prayer line that the sufferer, Mariah Pruitt, took her stand and came with hairpins she wanted to wear. And a little bald-headed girl who alopecia and an incurable disease had taken away her hair, her glory. Amen. And she wanted to wear her hairpins. And you want me to be afraid of emotion? You want me to be afraid of rejoicing? Amen. You want you know, I, I tell you already, I've done been stripped of the ambition. If I ever thought about being the popular preacher in the message, I've done been stripped of it. I forgot about that a long time ago. And I'm afraid that you might rejoice and embarrass me. I'll sing John LaFontaine's laughing song at you. Devil! I'll have the joy of the Lord. It's my strength. It's my power. It's my glory. I'll have divine healing. I'll have salvation for our young people. Amen. We'll have a message of restoration. Oh, you suffer. Stand and be healed. Hallelujah. I'll preach all day. Bring the musicians. I'll preach all day if you ain't careful. Amen. Because I'm inspired. I'm inspired that there are no suffers. 
in this building and a bride around the world and churches around the world who have suffered long enough. But they're ready to claim their redemptive rights. Are you ready to claim your redemptive rights? Are you ready to have the last laugh? The devil's laughed enough. Are you ready to have the last laugh? That you can laugh at your adversary. You can laugh at your enemy. You can laugh at the one who said you're going to fail. You can laugh. It's the same message, Brother Timothy. I am the resurrection and the life. Not I was, not I will be, but I am the resurrection. And I tell you, if you've been in dead and sins trespasses, and you've been wrapped with green clothes of unbelief and darkness, it's time to unwrap. It's time to let loose of those bonds. It's time to walk in liberty. It's time to be free. I want you to help me send a message to every bride member around the world this morning. From this atmosphere this morning. Oh, you suffer. I don't care what the suffering's been. I don't care if it's split churches, broken homes, bad marriages. I don't care if it's been false doctrines. I don't care if it's sickness in your body. Well, you suffer. Stand on that promise. And be healed. It's the hour of deliverance. Hallelujah. How in the world, Brother Tim, do you think you're going to get a bunch of these old dry bones around the message to ever come an army of God? I'll tell you how. Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy, son of man. By the word of God, I'm going to prophesy them. I'm going to prophesy you into a body change. I'm going to prophesy you into divine healing. I'm going to prophesy you into the Holy Ghost. I'm going to prophesy you into an upper room experience. I'm going to prophesy. And my sons and my daughters, they shall prophesy. The spirit of prophecy is in this place. You've been through the fire. You've been through back. Your bones breaking. You've been through copperhead strike. You've been through everything. But stand now. And be healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's your message, son. I am the resurrection and the life. It's not just a sermon. It's a message. There's a message going out of evening like tabernacle. That all you sufferers, you can stand and be healed. Because he's still the resurrection and the life. And if a man believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Are you ready to believe him? Then worship him with all your heart now. Hallelujah. Just give him praise from the depths of your heart. That's right. That's right, brother. I'll do it again. Glory. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody else. Lift up that voice of yours. Well, hallelujah. Somebody else respond. Satan, you are defeated. Your unbelief is broken. Your cloud of darkness over this people is broken. We'll not be a slave to you anymore. It's illegal to make us slaves in this land. Where we live, it's in this land of promise, it's illegal for there to be slaves. We're not a slave to sin. We're not a slave to unbelief. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just just begin to pray, everybody, right now. Just begin to pray and worship Him. Just begin to call on the name of the Lord right now. If you need the Holy Ghost, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. If you need healing, if anyone's afflicted, let them pray. What about those lost loved ones? Those children out in darkness. The darkness is lifting. The sun of righteousness is rising with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. There's somebody believing for their loved ones. Amen. Remember Hattie Wright responded. Amen. When she responded, God moved on her behalf. When you start responding to God, God starts moving on your behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I need the Holy Ghost. I can't give it to you, but it's free. It's yours. If you just realize it's paid for, what you lift your hands to him right now and say, I accept it right now. In the name of Jesus, I, I accept it. I believe it with all my heart. Amen. I'm going to call on your name, Jesus. Don't pass me by. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm the Lord God that healeth all of thy diseases. I am he that was wounded for thy transgressions. I paid for your healing and your deliverance from sin. On the cross of Calvary and went to hell with your sins. 
I rose up on the third day justified. That's him speaking. Believe him now. With all your heart, believe him. He speaks through his word. Right now, will you take your stand? Will you take your stand? Is there somebody right here say, I take my stand today to claim my legal rights. I will not be a slave for sin. It's my legal rights to be free. I'll have the joy of the Lord. It's my legal rights to have the joy of the Lord. I will have peace. Amen. Because he is the Prince of Peace. I'll have every promise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We will see miracles. We will see healings. We will see the Holy Spirit move. We will see God. We will see God deal with the lives and hearts of the people. We'll see Him. Why don't you say, God, today, I resolve in my heart to look away from the negative, to look away from my past and look to a glorious future. As I see the signs of spring, I see healing on the horizon. I see a little baby that the doctors, the doctor said was deformed in the womb. We dedicated the other day a whole healed baby. The doctors give up on all of the different case after case after case. Four different miscarriages. There she was healed. Healed in the womb. Where you're at right this morning, you can be healed even in the womb. Hallelujah. You can have complete victory and total deliverance. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in peace. Speak, Lord. Speak right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. And amen. Take it back. Hallelujah. Let the blind say, I can see. It's what the Lord has done in 